it's episode number 12 tonight i checked it is absolutely episode number 12 of uh after the checkers i'm kyle hall tonight we have jc norgard who is um I, I, you you everyone watching this knows jc whether you think you know jc or not you've definitely seen him because he's the guy running around with five thousand dollars worth of cameras hanging off of him uh at every in the infield or on the roof or in the flag stand or in victory lane jc's kind of everywhere um and so welcome to after the checkers jc how are you i'm good kyle how are you i am very good very good so um, you were on my list right when right when this whole project bloomed and developed. Uh, I made a list of people that I wanted to talk to, um, and it's not all going to be racers like this. I think the assumption is that it's always going to be the the big time racers that are winning every single week, and I'm I'm deliberately not doing that every single week. And so you're not a driver, but you, I, I would argue that you attend as many or more races than any driver I know um with your photography uh and so J jnp photography right yeah J jnp uh jason yeah. photography so just easier to shorten it to jnp sometimes absolutely so. yeah so so tell us how like where did your love of photography come from how did you get into it how long have you been doing it that kind of stuff um it actually started with a love for short track racing i actually grew up around racing my Dad raced figure eights at Raceway Park, Elko Speedway for got, got almost 30 years. And he hung it up in 2000, 2001. And then the towing company he actually worked for uh, started towing at Cedar Lake Speedway after that. Okay. And so they had a contract out there to do the towing. And, you know, he would bring me with uh, as a kid. And, you know, it was cool the first couple of times. But, you know, as a child, you get kind of bored just get bored, yeah. Sitting, yeah, getting, sitting in the truck and, you know, waiting for crashes to happen, basically. I mean, because otherwise, <laughs> for whatever reason, like I don't know if it was, <laughs> <laughs> some of them, yeah. But for whatever reason, I had to sit in the truck because I was so young and I couldn't be like outside of the truck. So sure. um, I got I quickly got bored of that. So I think I was maybe 13, 14 and started bringing a little point and shoot camera to the racetrack. Uh, just at first, my dad wanted me to get photos of like tow trucks and you know, the workers for his company. And I kind of branched out from there. Um, as I got older, I, you know, took more photos and really fell in love with it. And I, yeah. you know, I got to shoot, I got to shoot next to people like Neil Miller, Chris Burback, Stan Meisner, Vince Peterson, people like that. Um, Chris Burback's still, still doing it. Um, the rest of them are either passed away or they retired. Um, but when I was 15, I want to say I bought my first real camera and you know, started taking it a lot more serious, um, started learning more about photography and trying different stuff and trying to turn it into something other than a hobby and sure. shot at Cedar Lake Speedway for the first, I want to say year or so that I had a real camera. And then I actually got kicked out of Cedar Lake Speedway when I was 16. Um, long story short, I, uh, I said some things on the 2020 racing page uh -oh. that I probably should, I probably shouldn't have said. And in hindsight, you know, I had to pay yeah. the price. Yeah, I had to pay the price for it, but in hindsight, I would, I would say them ten times over because uh, you know it led me to Ogilvy Raceway. Actually, um, I had heard about this track that it just opened. It's 2009. Yeah, heard about this this track called Ogilvy Raceway. Uh, found Nate Fisher's email address and sent him an email, and I was like, "Hey, can I come out and shoot?" And you know, he was really receptive to it and let me uh, do it. And I came out a couple times in 09 and 2010. I came a little more in 2011. I was there almost weekly and. You know, it went from doing photography to helping them with their website, helping them with Facebook, sure. 
um, doing all kinds of projects like that, helping them with a lot of marketing stuff. And, you know, I think the biggest thing that came from that is a lot of the friendships I made, uh, met a bunch of people there, uh, namely Justin and Cassie Pagonis, Tammy Joe Keen. Sure. Um, and we kind of formed this family um, and we're still very close today. Uh, we do everything together, uh, but just meeting them brought me to different races, um, helped create Pogo Chicken, kind of an yeah. inside joke that kind of exploded. Um, I and I don't, I don't know, know if, if you've seen, I don't know if you, I did a, an episode of this with Justin I, and, I, and I, I don't know I if you watched it, it or yeah. not, but so I'm announcing in Brainerd for five or six years, whatever I did up there. And, and Justin would show up with his streeter and it would say Pogo's chicken on the side of it. <laughs> I thought he owned a restaurant called Pogo's chicken. And then, and I asked him, I'm like, so where, where is your restaurant at? Like, I, I mean, if I'm in the area, I'll stop in. And he's like, I don't own a restaurant. What the hell are you talking about? And I'm like, Pogo's chicken. And he, and he told me the story on the show about how you sort of invented that. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember where that came from, but all of a sudden we had a Facebook page and a logo and I got some polos done up and yeah, crazy. Uh, and had some, had some fun with it. And, you know, people start coming up to him and talking about his chicken, but, and, and I don't know if my association with him and Cassie and, and all those people, you know, if that's what helps, I don't know, elevate my work or get my name out there uh, the way that it has kind of, but, you know, it's been a journey with uh, a lot of different chapters and uh, rewarding friendships and partnerships. I mean, I've, I've, I've been able to accomplish a lot and I think this will be my 14th year of doing photography. Yeah. Um, I think some of the biggest highlights, I made a documentary in 2016 called Dirt Track Confidential yes, uh, with Lannan, Lannan Atkinson, Jody Belfi, uh, Dennis Zek, and Justin Pagonis. And that was a lot of fun just to follow them around all summer and, and kind of do something different with the camera instead of taking like photos, but actually yeah. try, try my hand at video. And um, But all those people and all those friendships, I don't think they'd exist if it wasn't for a clay oval. Um, at this point, I'm kind of taken on my most ambitious season yet uh my plans this year are to follow the world of outlaw late model tour uh, as their uh, yeah, serious photographer the serious wearing. photographer um so that's going to be a big step uh when i'm not doing that uh, i'm going to try and hit as much with soda stuff as possible because doesn't matter where i go it's you know some of the best racing is still in this region so it really is like i i've always said that that pound for pound <laughs> there's there's a four or five guys that are from you know, the Wasoda land, you know, whether it's Wisconsin or Minnesota or, or, you know, the Southern part of Canada and stuff like that. There's, there's four or five guys there that I would stack against any dirt track driver anywhere kind of thing. And I think I'd come out ahead more often than not. So, um, so you, you kind of alluded a little bit to the fact that of, of what your 2021 plans are is, is your, are you doing the whole uh, world about law tour? Yeah, the, the plan is to do the whole World of Outlaw Late Model Tour as their series photographer. We were down sure. in Dirt Car Nationals. Uh, well, I went to Volusia to start the season with them, and then we went to we had the Dirt Car Nationals a couple of weeks ago. So it was it was nice to be in Florida when it was like negative twenty here, and it's like yeah, exactly. eighty five eighty five in Florida. And I think I pissed off all my friends on Snapchat. They're like, you know what? Just just stop just sending us stuff. Posting exactly. You know, don't uh, don't make us jealous. But yeah, I mean that's. Uh, that's the plan. It's, it's, it's an ambitious one. And it's, uh, it's obviously the biggest thing I've done yet. Um, and it is cool to, to get to that level and get to a national level um, where, you know, my work's been there a little bit uh, in the past because I've done some work with them and some other traveling series, but it's nice to actually get there on a consistent level. And right. I, right. I am, I'm a, I'm a little nervous. Um, I will say just because it is a lot of pressure because I, you know, I'm getting paid to do this and I need to perform and it's not like I can 
you know, go around and have fun. I, I'm actually, somebody's actually paying me to do You're this. Working. So it's, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that, there's a little for the opportunity to, you know, kind of prove what somebody from our region can do at a national level. I mean, obviously I'm not in a car, I'm not Ricky Weiss, but you know, it's kind of cool that somebody else from Minnesota or from our region is, is there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm losing you. I think, you. I think, I think your pods are going dead. Can't hear you at all, my friend. <laughs> all right, how about now? There, yeah, just not good, but I can hear you a little bit. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. All right, yep. good. You'll, you'll we joined to... with computer audio. You'll just have to edit that. So that's all right. No, we leave. There's no editing on this. We just oh. let her run, man. This is real uh, life stuff. Technology, I tell you. Um, that's the product of the day job, having to use headphones all day. But No worries. No worries. So yeah, it's, uh, it's so, cool to, to get to, to work at the national level and, and uh, kind of mix things up and see what we can do this year. So, Well, it's it's um, it'll be fun to be able to see that. And you, just by their tour, you get to come back around. And I think they're at Ogilvy this year. So you kind of, your, your home track, you'll get to be the national photographer at your home track, which is pretty cool. Well, they're actually, we're, we're actually not at Ogilvy this year uh, that I, I know of. Uh, I don't know what the, what the deal is there. They're at uh, Fergus Falls that night. Oh, that's um, right. I don't, I don't yep. know if there was some sort of scheduling conflict. I mean, I'd love, I'd love for them to be at Ogilvy, but um, they're not, at this point, they're not. I, don't know if I, I think change Mod Nationals and, and, and I think they're the same night. I remember reading that. Yeah, mod, so, yeah, I think I think it's mod war. Yeah, mod wars and mod that, wars or mod national something. Which yep. I mean, you know, that was tough to because you know I know that's going to be a cool event at Ogilvy, and it's like you know I want to be there, but I also you know I have to be where the outlaws yeah. are. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes no, I you hear have, you. There's sometimes you have to miss races. As an announcer, that comes up from time to time too, where the where there's two cool events that you're being asked to announce both of, and you got to make a decision, and it's it's sometimes it's not fun to make those decisions, so. Yeah. So let's obviously you've you've gained or you're in the process of gaining some pretty good notoriety, some pretty good success. So so let's take it down into the in JNP style. What what because your your shots, uh, there's a lot of really good photographers, track photographers that that I think do a really, really great job. Yours are always unique is I, is I think the best word that it, it's a, it's a different angle. It's a, it's a picture from behind. I've seen you like you're, you're, you're right behind Brian Riedemann, or maybe you're like in front of Brian Riedemann, or you're in the flag stand, you're literally on the roof, you climb a pole, you're like, put the camera on a tire so that the car is six inches away from the cat. Like you always got cool stuff. What goes in is there a conscious thought process that goes into making a good shot or is it all just, I'm going to take 10,000 shots tonight and there's bound to be a couple of good ones. <laughs> I, I will say with respect to Brian, I told him I would promise to tell people that he's not blind. He has perfect vision and he, he wants, he wants the record to reflect that, that he's, he's a good flagman. And, and I will admit he is a good flagman. He is a night. phenomenal flagman. Um, but he, he wanted the record to reflect that he's not blind. So, uh, when it comes to, when it comes to setting up shots like that, a lot of it is just thinking about, you know, what's going to look good and what, you know, I, it's, there's times when you need to stand in the infield in one place and get single car shots and get action shots. But then there's a whole other element to it of, I like to try and tell a story 
um, through my photography and try and capture stuff that the people in the stands or maybe even the drivers don't understand that's going on because they're occupied with other things or occupied right. watching races, getting their cars ready. But there's so many stories to tell and so many images to capture of all of the essence of dirt track racing that you know, you kind of got to walk around and take a look at things. Um, usually Ogilvy, I kind of have figured out because I've been there for a decade. Um, but when I come to a track, I like to get there a little early and just do a walk, do a pit walk, um, check out the spots where I think, you know, where there's going to be good lighting, sure. uh, potentially a good angle, what would look cool, especially if there's, you know, nice stuff in the background, um, something to tell the story. And then it's a lot of it is experimenting and playing around and, you know, seeing what works. I have a general knowledge of, you know, a setup, I guess, of settings to use, but, you know, it, it varies by track, by lighting, by right uh, by situation shooting. yeah so there's just there's i think maybe when you were i don't know if it was just a couple of weeks ago so it's probably at the dirt track nationals um there's there's literally a picture and i i think it was probably a modified or maybe it was a late model but it was just two feet sticking out and you posted it's it's literally two feet sticking out from underneath of a car and i thought what made him take that picture but it's it was a cool picture because it's for the, for the spectator that only sits in the grandstands, you never get to see the, the pit side of things. And that's more often than not, that's the picture you get in the pits is two feet sticking out from underneath of a car on a pit lift kind of thing. Yeah. And my, my biggest thing has always been to, you know, obviously capture the action on the track the best I can, but then to walk around in the pits and, and try and find moments that, you know, they represent the sport well, but they look cool. And the picture you're talking about is Tony Jackson Jr. He's on the World of Outlaw Tour this year, but it's his pit guy uh, making some sort of adjustment to the car. And I stood there and I looked and I was like, that's really cool. Cause like, all you see is like just this guy's feet. It, yeah. And then I was like, I got to get a picture of this somehow and try and frame it where you, you see his feet, but you still see the race car and you can still tell what's going on. Um, so it's a lot of it is just you you see stuff and you're like okay how can I turn that into a picture yeah how can how can I capture that on the camera yeah it's a lot of when I started this like you you know me well enough I'm an announcer this isn't interviewing people is not my comfort zone it's not I'm I hate watching myself do it there's a friend of mine that is maybe the best in the entire world at interviewing people off the cuff just can come up with a question come up with a question and I called him and I'm like how do you do this like what I, I'm going to be doing this for a long time I hope and how do you do it and he's like talk to people about stuff that you want to know about what they're doing and it's I would imagine photography is a lot the same thing when when you're walking through the pits and you're you kind of glance over and you see what is that like I need a picture of that because someone's going to think that's a cool picture. And I, I would think it's the same thing. I'm just asking questions that I want to know about photography. You're just taking pictures of stuff that you think people would want to know about. Yeah. And it, it's the same concept because you're, you're, you're having a conversation with the camera and with what you're shooting. And, and for the longest time, I'll admit that, you know, I thought the way to do it was you show up to the racetrack, you stand in the same couple spaces and, you take your pictures and you take your victory lane pictures and you know that's and that's it that's what it is like that's the job and i think it was 2012 2013 i just thought god there's got to be more to this than just this like and that this one angle can't be, yeah this can't be it there can't be just one angle and you know i started doing so when i first started doing 
research and looking into, okay, how do I, like, I have this shot in my mind, how do I do it? And I'll, I would spend hours doing research and looking at different articles and reading things and looking and trying to study people's images and watching videos. And, and I still do it to this day. Uh, Cause I feel like no matter what you're doing that you never want to get complacent. Um, you always want to look at your body of work and think, okay, I'm doing a good job, but I can do better. And I, I can be better. better. And how can I make myself better? And I, you know, I have conversations with others that do this in the industry, whether they're, you know, they're shooting, I have friends that shoot NASCAR and I have friends that, you know, they shoot one track a week and sure doesn't matter what their level of work is. It's just having that conversation with them and, and sharing ideas and being open to that. Um, I've always kind of had an open door policy. If somebody asks me a question, I'm not going to turn them away or not give them advice. I don't get jealous in that regard. I, yeah. you know, my attitude has always kind of been, um, I know for the longest time it wasn't this way, but as I've grown older and more mature, it's become that, you know, I'm just gonna let my work speak for itself yep. and it doesn't matter you know, who takes the better picture, who gets the most published. I'm just going to do what I like to do and, and let the results tell the story. To me, there's nothing better as a, it's a, a massive compliment, I think, for someone to come up to you and say, hey, how do you do what you do? Like if, if someone thinks that I'm a good enough announcer to want to know what my process is, man, that's amazing. And I would think the same thing with, with photography that that if, if someone wants to emulate you, figure out how to do what you're doing, that's that's a massive feather in your hat. Like that's a that's a huge badge of honor, I would think. Yeah, and it's very rewarding because um, and I've met photographers that, you know, you'll ask them the simplest of questions and they're very reserved and they don't want to it's like they don't want to give away their secrets. And I'm like, yeah. there's no, I mean, there's no secrets to this. It's you know, you can learn all you can go to the right place. You can learn all the settings, you can get all this done, but you know, you still have to have the ability to take that picture and to Correct. change on the fly and everything. But for me, it's almost rewarding um, to be able to help somebody because I know what it's like to be them. Um, especially when I see younger people getting into When you're start, first starting out. Yeah. Like I've, I've been there. I've, I've, you know, I certainly have um, a case full of camera equipment that is almost as expensive as a turnkey modified, but yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I've, I've, I've been there having uh you know, a $500 camera and a $100 lens and trying to figure it out. So, you know, I, I understand the grind that it takes to, to get to a certain level. So I, if somebody wants help, I'm going to give it, you know, whenever I can, uh, you know, within reason, you know, because obviously if I'm at an event and I need to still shoot pictures for a client or a magazine or a track, you know, I can't drop what I'm doing. But if somebody asks for help, you know, I'm, I'm more than happy to do yeah. so. Let's meet up later and have lunch and I'll tell you everything I know. Yeah, exactly. So, Okay, so changing directions a little bit here. Um, in a lot of my shows, JC, I have asked the whether it's a driver or a promoter or a uh, whoever it is, what it, what's the one thing, if there's one thing, and there's not, there's a hundred things, but what is one thing from your perspective? Perspective, you've you've been to a lot of tracks, you see it from clearly a completely different angle than then a driver, a spectator, a promoter, a flagman, you see it from a different angle, literally quite. What do you think can be done to, to kind of continue the growth of dirt track racing um, to sustain it and, and make it better going forward? 
Yeah, I, I will say I've, yeah, I've come to a lot of conclusions, especially with all the tracks I've been to and the people I've met. The biggest thing I think that's been beneficial to me through my photography, um, I've been able to work with a lot of great companies that sponsor motorsports or even are interested in sponsor motorship and, or excuse me, sponsor motorsports, not motorship. Wow, that's not even a word. We but, just changed um, the new word, motorship. Motorship, yep, the motorship series. That's going to be great. <laughs> I can't wait to watch that. Exactly. Um, but, but getting to work with these companies you kind of get an outsider sense of how they view dirt track racing. Um, especially when you get to bigger companies where it, the person that's writing that check has nothing to do with racing. They, you know, they sit in a cubicle and just they, an investment. It's an investment. They do marketing. So a lot of, a lot of the stuff that I've kind of tried to, I wouldn't say preach, but I've written about and I've helped people out about and tried to use, especially in the services and the products that I offer, um, comes from a lot of that insight. But I, I think the biggest thing that could help racing is just more creative thinking. Um, so often we're, we're boxed into a corner and we just like, uh, this is the way we've always done it. It's the way we're always going to continue to do it. And it's like, no, that's, that's not how you do it. And, you know, there's, there's obviously room across the board um, with rule changes and allowing more drivers representation and say with rule changes, the thing for me that I'm passionate about is marketing. Uh, the marketing aspect of motorsports. Sure. Um, I think it's the biggest problem facing our sport. Um, it's it's not going to kill our sport, uh, but it is holding holding us back from a lot of our potential. Sure. Um, the biggest thing that I've noticed, and I think a lot of people can collectively agree, is that so much of dirt track racing and I think short track racing at a local and even a regional level is it's catered towards people that are already in our fold, right? We're marketing to people that are already fans. It's our existing fan base. We're trying to get them to come to this special. We're trying them to get them to come to this show. And you need to do that. Don't get me wrong. Like you have to do that. Yep. We also need to branch out, right? So our sport for so long has been dependent on what I call generational attendance, right? People like me who grew up going to the races. I continue to do it whenever I have a family. You know, I'm going to get them involved. Yep. And generational participation, it's important. It's healthy for the sport, but that shouldn't be the end, right? It shouldn't this be much. Only, yeah, yeah, it's this much. It shouldn't be our only way of growing the sport. You know, we're healthy and we're more prevalent, I think, than asphalt racing on a local level. But I think we're still at risk because um, I grew up watching this when I was a kid. You know, asphalt racing was huge and it had this great following, and then it slowly started to die off, and families sure. got into the sport, and there wasn't the revival needed to to keep it growing. And you know, it it still exists, yes, but it's not to the level that. Nope. It once was, and I, I think a lot of the dependency we have is just on that mindset of, you know, this is how we've always done it, um, and that's how we're always going to continue to do it. And, yeah, I think you can draw lessons from, you take somebody like NASCAR, for example. Um, they've made big changes to their sport, obviously didn't go down the right path, and they've, you know, they've admitted that. They're like, hey, we need to return to our roots. But, you know, you look at that, and you you draw lessons from that. And the other thing is understanding that the world that we're in now is a lot different than it was five years. I mean, frankly, we all know it's a lot different than it was yeah, a year exactly. ago. Exactly. Then 12 but, months ago. Yeah, 12 months ago. I mean, it, it keeps changing and you know, our sport needs to keep up with that. And yep. I think the, the easiest and the cheapest thing um, for every track, series, race team, whatever to do that it doesn't cost any money is be professional and Chris Steppen had a good post uh, a couple weeks ago that he asked, you know, hey, what what makes a track stand out? And for me, it's it's all about professionalism. If you're gonna put something out, you know, spell things right, make your graphics readable. I mean, you don't yep. have to 
you don't have to spend $5,000 having a fancy produced video, but, you know, make things, make them look nice, make them look professional because, you know, like it or not, we're in an entertainment business and, you know, we need to do our part to grow it. Um, and, you know, professionalism isn't, you know, fancy polos and, you know, everybody has white pants on. It's, you know, run your show on time, you know, yep. do the little things, cut the grass, paint the wall, pick up the trash, clean the bathrooms. It's just those small things that that helps. It, it just helps grow the sport. Um, I would I would argue, JC, that those aren't the small things that right. those those are the things like yes. if it, we've all been to tracks that are the, the moment you pull in, the, the grass is a foot and a half tall in the parking lot. And you're like, what? Like, why are, like, are you kidding me? And, but you're like, whatever, it'll be great racing. And, and maybe it is phenomenal racing, but there's always that taste of like, you know, next to the garbage can, there's 47 beer cans and, and, and Snickers wrappers and walking taco bags next to the trash can. And yeah. yet, is it, spectators responsibility to throw it away yes but they don't a lot or the 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 dumpster that is underneath the grandstands and all of those little things if you if all of the little things are done man it just looks beautiful like i give the example my favorite racetrack to go to is fergus falls and it and for me my personal thing is their infield and and ogilvy's kind of the same way their infield looks like a golf course. It's just, it's all the grass is mowed and there's grass and there's roads that are defined. And it's just, I don't know, it's beautiful to me. And it's, it's um, those are the things that personally I look for that, that create a spectator experience for me that, that is second to none kind of a thing. Yeah. And it's, and those are the things that you have to do. And I mean, it's like, you, you know, you are going to have fans that, you know, they don't care what the track looks like. They don't, they don't care what the signs look like. If the racing's great, they're going to go and that's fine. But you also, you want to have the ability for some random person to come in or even, you know, the sponsors you're representing to come in and be proud of. It's nice. Be proud of the facility. And I I think the, you know, the thing that I always think about, and I don't remember where it was, but I saw this and there was, you know, there's this banner hanging on the fence and it's a, it's a big oil company. I, I don't know if it was Amazon or it was um, Pennzoil. It, it was somewhere. It was, it was some oil company and they got this banner that, you know, it's, it's just caked full of dirt and next to it is this trash can that's just overfilled with, yeah. with trash. And it's like, if I'm that business and I see that, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be proud of that. That doesn't represent my product no. well. And, you know, obviously you're at a dirt track, you can't clean a banner, you know, during the races, but afterwards, like, you know, keep that stuff clean. So people at the beginning of the night, it should be clean. Yeah. At the beginning of the night, it should be clean. You know, you, you figure those little things out and, and they go a long way, especially, you know, when you do have people bringing their friends and their family to the racetrack and like, Hey, let's go check this out. And, you know, Ogilvy's a great example of that. Um, their facilities are clean, but the other thing they're a great example of is just their location is kind of in a cabin country kind of area. My family has a cabin in that area, but it's like, you wonder how many people, you know, they're like, Hey, let's go to Ogilvy on our, you know, we're at the cabin. We're looking for something to do. We're on our way to the cabin. Like, let's stop here. And if your product is represented well, like I, th- I think that's going to pay dividends to you. more. Absolutely. So Absolutely. It's part of, I don't know if you know or not, but I'm going to be the announcer at Granite city next summer or this coming summer. 
And uh, it's the things that James is doing at that track are all of the things that you're talking about, thinking outside the box, having different events there, um, promoting it in a completely different way than, than what is normal. So um, I'm super excited to be part of that growth at that track. It's gonna be pretty exciting, I think. So, so we always do, uh, we're gonna, it's, I told you it's funny, there's a, the, the little side plate that you have next to you there, the Dan Ebert one. Dan has been my next guest for three, three shows in a row now. And it keeps, he's a super busy guy and it keeps getting delayed and delayed and delayed. We always do a, uh, a what's called the pay it forward question. And, uh, and it's, you know, whoever was the last show asked the question of the next show, that kind of a deal. And, um, and so you're the third person to ask Dan Ebert a question. Um, and so he's, the whole show is just gonna be like, Dan, you were late to work. <laughs> Here's all of your, here's all of the makeup that you, the, your makeup the 20, homework. Here's the 20 questions you missed. Exactly, exactly. So, um, uh, so if you could ask Dan Ebert, who obviously is a, a buddy of yours, if you could ask Dan Ebert a question, what would your question be? And can, it doesn't have to be ra racing related. Ooh, that's, uh, that's tough. Cause I, I do know Dan really well. One of the, yeah. one of the nicest guys and one of the nicest teams in, uh, in the sport and, you know, big supporter of mine, obviously. And, um, I've done a lot of projects with him. Yes, um, you have. Yeah. Probably, probably the biggest thing is, you know, how he manages the, the mindset and the schedule that he does, because I've seen him at races where he's working for Fox and it's like, he's and so driving. Fun. And he's driving and he's, it's like, how do you manage that? Like, how do you, you still do your racing and excel at it at such a high level and then excel at your professional um, career as well. And I yeah. obviously they're intertwined and that helps, but you know, I, I think that would be incredibly tough. So I, I'm, I am curious how he does that. And it's, I think the only other thing I want to know hats on. Oh, yeah. He was wearing different hats. The only other thing I'd want to know is why he keeps standing you up. Like, what's going on, Dan? Exactly. Yeah, that's that's going to be my question for him is, is like, come on, dude. I know you're not camera shy. <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, he's done. He's done enough stuff. But yeah, he is. He's that'll be a good interview. I look forward to tuning into that. Dan is awesome. Uh, uh, part of that. And I'm, I can say this because it will have already happened before Dan ever does it is is my last show. JC was Russ. Dan's okay. dad nice. and uh and so talk about a legend like I told Russ I could talk to you for two hours I, I we don't get two hours on the zoom call but like I I could sit and just never ask a question and listen to Russ tell stories for weeks about his career um just amazing so uh and and he had a question for Dan as well and because that's the deal you got to ask a question of the next guest so well, JC, you're, I think you're definitely one of those guys that I could talk to for hours and hours and hours. And I, and I, I, we're probably not going to get to see a lot of each other this summer, but I, I hope that you make it over to Granite City a little bit and, uh, and we can run into each other and say hi and, and, uh, you know, from six feet apart, say hi to each other. Um, and so it'll be, I, I wish you the best of luck touring around this summer. You're going to get to see like uh, a lot of really, really cool stuff, I would imagine. And, uh, and we expect lots of uh, Instagram posts and Facebook posts giving us updates of uh, what it's like to be a, a, a photographer on a national tour like the World of Outlaw Late Models. Oh, I lost you. Oh, there you are. 
Sorry. Um, yeah, it's going to be fun. I, I'm going to try and get to Granite City a couple times because I definitely want to see the improvements that uh, James is making. He's uh, one of the most passionate people I've met in motorsports. And when he puts his mind to something, you know, it's going to it's going to turn out good. So I, I think that'll be that's going to be good for the sport. And it'll be nice to, to see that place up and running again. Yeah, me too. I'm I'm super thrilled to be a part of it. So, well, JC, I, I appreciate you taking some time out. Obviously, you're extremely very busy schedule and uh, we'll run into each other this summer and I look forward. We didn't even get the chat about the calendar, um, but we'll oh, on the next uh, the next yeah, episode. Well, I'll have you back on. We'll we'll fix the audio and we'll talk about calendars. Yes, the calendar is a fun conversation. So it, it I it's one of my favorite things you do all year long every year. So uh, very cool. We will uh, we'll catch up later on and uh, good luck this summer. Thanks, Kyle. You bet. Bye.